Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Warren Williams, and today I'm joined by ministry intern AC. AC, AC. Um, you know, just a staple on the show and a wealth of uh, knowledge and insight. Um, so if you're following along in the True Story Project, we're moving right along into the New Testament. Um, we're getting into the book of John. All right. So we're moving along right into the Gospels. And, um, you know, we're, we're moving into another gospel, the book of John. And as we know, every gospel is written for different reasons and different audiences. And um, we're going to kind of dig into this book today and, uh, you know, just try to get to the uh, heart behind it and maybe who, the, who this gospel is speaking to. But before we even get there, I want to start with just a little bit of an uh, icebreaker to kind of get us right into it and, uh, you know, get our mind going. So, um, AC, you ready? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, there was a show on AMC. All right. Um, probably one of my favorite shows ever just for drama and uh, storyline and plot. I will I will say arguably it's probably one of the greatest shows ever. Would you agree with that? I would. Okay. I would, I would, I would put it at the top. Yeah, me too. Me too. So obviously we're talking about Breaking Bad here. Um, popular, award-winning show. Um you know, but after it was done, because there was such a, just an, a following and such a, uh, you know, outcry for more, um, there was a spinoff. Um, so call, it's uh, it was called or it's called Better Call Saul. Still a popular show following the lawyer, uh, Saul Goodman, um, who was one of the uh, cast members on the original show. Um, but we kind of want to just bring it into our context here. So if you were to take one woman in the New Testament and create an entire spinoff show about her, who would it be? AC, who you got? It the- would be uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. In mm, mm, tell there's us. A, there's, a, there's a lot of potential story there. Okay. You know, at one point, he says, uh, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You've okay. had five and the dude you with now is not your husband. Mm. So there's a lot of backstory that you can right. flesh out there. You know, right, right. Relationship drama, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and the whole time, sort of like how Breaking Bad started with uh, Walter White good and yeah. then slowly descending towards like depravity, this show could like start with her depravity but she's wrestling with more and more and more, you know, like, yeah, got to be more life than this. And then the climax of the show, like the third season, she meets Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would say uh, for my choice, I'd pick Martha. Martha. Right. So, you know, when we look at Mary and Martha, I think a lot of times we want to identify with Mary. We want to be the one that, you know, Jesus loved and, you know, he commended for her faith. But in real in like in uh, realistically. Right. Um, a lot of times, I think a lot of us identify with Martha more, staying, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. being more busy, right? Not b- being able to kind of enjoy the presence. You know, she kind of com- she complained about her sister yeah. um, working, you know, um, so while Jesus was tell, there. Tell her to yeah. get up and wash these dishes. Exactly, you know? exactly. Tell her to help. And it's like, we can have the attitude as Christians. Like, why are these Christians sitting on the sidelines? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think we, I think a lot of times, like, um, one of the professors that came into our missional training center talked about uh, David and Goliath. And a lot of times we we'll want to identify with David, but really we're the bystanders who are like <laughs> scared. <laughs> scared. So, uh, yeah, just something to think about, you know, sometimes as we read through the Bible and we read some of these stories to, you know, really be realistic <laughs> and, uh, you know, not always make ourselves the heroes of the stories because honestly, uh, we need Christ to be the hero. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just getting right into John, um, 
probably one of the most known miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, this is known by, I would say, Christians, non-Christians alike. He turns water into wine. And this this is, this is something I think you got to be careful about because, uh, you know, people will take this miracle and justify a whole bunch of things. You know, getting alcoholism, lit, yeah. getting lit. Hey, Jesus turned water into wine. I'm about to get lit tonight. Yeah. Not the purpose yeah, of, what's go- <laughs> of what's going on there, right? So, uh, AC, can you kind of tell us, like, why was this the why was uh, the, the this miracle the first one recorded uh, in John? Yeah, you know, in, in John 2.11, he calls this the first of Jesus' miraculous signs. Mm. Um, and you got to think about it. Like, when you come out the first time you're making a statement mm-hmm. i mean you're you're an artist right you guys are, are like recording a mixtape just yeah. this a mixtape yeah you know if you guys got signed to a major label and you had your debut album yeah it's got a hit yeah you guys yeah. gonna make a statement yeah you know so jesus yep. this is his debut okay his first miracle his first sign and it's not what you would think you would think okay it would be healing somebody, raising somebody from the dead. You know, those seem more like Jesus-type miracles, but turning water into wine, what, what is going on with that? Right. I think it reveals something about Jesus and the kingdom. Uh, I want to read uh, this little scripture from Isaiah 25 um, that the Jews would have known. Okay. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord and we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Salvation. Mm. Now, we tend to think of salvation as just this individual forgiveness. Like, I broke God's commandments, right. so I'm going to go to hell. I can't yeah. go to heaven unless Jesus dies for me. We, like, exclusively this, like, individual sense. But in this passage, God's view of salvation is a whole new world, mm. a renewed creation. And that's worth celebrating. I mean, imagine disgrace and death, tears and toil all wiped away, completely removed from the earth, from abuse to betrayal to catastrophes to death, from poverty to prostitution to pain, from struggles and stresses and strains, mm. all gone. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah, gone. yeah, yeah. You know, I remember when I was a teenager and the Lakers won the championship in 2000. Boo. That I remember seeing on TV somebody lit a car on fire. Yeah, yeah. You know know, that tends to happen after sports teams wins. It's like let's go burn up property. Yeah, Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, you know that was going off off the off the 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 chain. But what what usually happens is you see people popping champagne bottles and just celebrate. I mean, because all this like work and effort finally paid off. Right, and right. you've entered into this new era of being champions yes. of your sport, you know? And so it, there's a celebration Indeed. to it. And, and sometimes we don't think about that. We don't think about all the sin and suffering and pain we go through in this earth. And when that's finally gone and we enter the new world, there's going to be a celebration. Right. There's going to be a right. party. And so Jesus is saying, hey man, the party is coming. The celebration, better times are on the way. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's so good. I mean, um, you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast, idols of culture, right? And one is, 
you know, that seeps into, you know, our context is the individualism or an indiv- individualistic way of thinking. So even when we think about salvation, like you said, it's uh, just us and God rather than the horizontal, like, you know, God is going to restore all things, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we start this podcast, uh, All of Life is All for Jesus, right? So that just speaks to, um, you know, obviously salvation um, will come on an individual level, but even something to think about, you know, as we think about the new heavens and new earth is that like AC said, there will be this huge celebration of uh, all the brokenness, all the thorns and thistles that we encounter daily uh, eradicated. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, I want to kind of just go through certain things in this book that may be a, a little bit confusing to, uh, you know, most readers. Um, you know, I know there's one scene where Jesus says uh, he will destroy this temple and, uh, He'll raise it again in three days. Um, so the Jewish leaders at that time, you know, they're hearing this and they're thinking about the physical temple, mm-hmm. right? Um, the one that uh, Herod erected. But the author John knows that Jesus was referring to his body. So why would Jesus call his body the temple? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And you notice in that passage, John says, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recall what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. Mm-hmm. So evidently, there's a connection here between what Jesus says and the scriptures. And when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the scriptures, we see that God pitched his tent with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. So first, it was the tabernacle coming in in the wilderness. And then later, when Solomon was king, he built the temple. Right. And so the tabernacle and later the temple was the symbol of God living among his people. Mm. And as Leviticus points out, God's a holy God, and his people are, like, acting fools. Remember right, right. Moses goes up the mountain, comes back down, and they have their worship in a golden cap. Right, right, right. And so the question is, these people are out of line. They're not holy. Uh, how is a holy God going to live among them? And so they had all the yearly and daily and weekly sacrifices and festivals in order for God to live among them. And the biggest festival uh, every year was Passover. Right. This would have been like the Coachella or Oscar Super Bowl, you know, the big cultural event. <laughs> yeah. For them, yeah. You know? yeah. And the worst possible thing that could happen was that the temple be destroyed. And that's right. exactly what happened to them. Like we read that. And the Babylonians came, they destroyed the temple. Right. Ezekiel sees this vision of the glory, the presence of God leaving the temple. Right. But God promised that he would be back. So you fast forward a few hundred years. How does John open his gospel? He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in verse 14 of chapter one, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that phrase in the Greek made his dwelling among us literally is and set up his tent among us. Wow. So in other words, Jesus is God coming back to set up tent again. To live with his people. God had set up tent with the Israelites. He left, but he promised he would come back. And he came back in the person of Jesus. So his body is the temple. Is the temple. Is the right, temple. right. And so Jesus starts going to these festivals we talked about. And he starts making himself bigger than each of them. He goes to the temple and he makes himself bigger than that temple. And just taking, taking everyone off. Yes. Yes. Taking yes. everyone off along the way. Yeah, he goes to like the Feast of Tabernacles, for example, where they... Uh, they would celebrate how God provided for them and guided them through the wilderness when they lived in tents, you know, Feast of Tents, Tabernacles. Mm So, you know, they would celebrate this once a year. Jesus goes there and he says, um, if anyone thirsts, you know, um, if he believes in me, living water come flowing out of his heart. And it's like when they were in the wilderness, the very thing they're celebrating is one of the things God did was provide water out Mm. of the rock. You know, and then also God would guide them through smoke and a pillar of fire. And, you know, at night they would have this 
column of fire they would follow. And Jesus says at that festival, when they commemorate that, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is God come back. And he's saying all these feasts, even the temple itself, is all about me. Yeah, and I, I love the way that um, we constantly are pointing back towards the Old Testament and uh, just showing how Jesus fulfills all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, now, um, you know, you, you look at the end of Matthew where Jesus is sending people out, and, you know, um, uh, prior to that, it's like you had to come to the temple, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, now, um, you know, Jesus is residing in people, and, you, you know, it's like he, you're carrying him with you. You don't have to necessarily, you don't have to journey to a temple to uh, uh, experience uh, with uh, communion with God, right? Right. So, right. Um, you know, we're really thankful for that. Otherwise, you know, we'd be maybe booking our plane tickets to Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, another thing in John, and I guess I want to get into this. Maybe this. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about prescriptive and descriptive, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, we see uh, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, and you know, we take that in our common. A lot of times we want that to be uh, descriptive, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Old Testament, right? (laughs) Old Testament, they do a crazy stuff. We're like, why is this happening? Yeah, Jesus does something that's prescriptive. We're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was trying. He was trying to teach us something. And you know, um, I think, in my opinion, I think it can be both in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there is a humility that it takes to wash people's feet. There's a there's a there's a big humility that goes into that a large amount of humility that goes into that and I remember uh, a couple of months ago I was challenged by a friend of mine um, and he said hey we're gonna go wash some people's feet and I was like well you know we don't have to do that <laughs> but I think uh, you know Jesus is saying something there about being a servant right yeah. so can you kind of just speak on that uh, you know the significance of that act yeah he he does that and then he tells them now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet. And I think it's a symbol of Jesus' life purpose. Mm. He didn't come, as he says in Matthew, to be served, right. but to serve. Right. And God himself is a self-giving, loving God. Mm. And just as an aside, like this totally destroys the idea that the Old Testament God is this vindictive, right. Right. cruel God who's self-absorbed. Because as we just talked about Jesus presents himself as the fulfillment of Israel's story and also as the return of Israel's God. Right. Um, As Jesus tells one of the disciples later in the same book, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And who is the Father? Well, Jesus presents him as one who would wash the feet of his creation. Wow. And it's like, you know, today, if you wash someone's feet, it's kind of weird. It still, you know, takes humility, but it's like this weird thing because it's not something that we do in our culture. Right, right. So you're kind of stepping out of the culture, so there's that little bit to it but it would be like this man it would be like if your friend owned uh, a gas station and it was like I mean you've seen some gas stations that are just bad I'm not talking about the nice ones QT I'm talking like Circle K the the grungy ones no names the grungy ones and it would be like walking into that bathroom man and saying like I'm gonna wash I'm gonna clean this for you wow and I've stepped into some pretty bad situations yeah you know, I'm talking about people that just missed. <laughs> no, I think I think that's that's really good. And I, I wonder sometimes, like, you know, we read these these stories or these passages of Scripture, and I think sometimes we have the tendency to just uh, take them as mundane. But you think of God in the flesh, the creator of uh, the entire universe, the connection to all of history. 
washing his disciples' feet, it's yeah, it, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's mind blowing when you read the Gospels the right way. Right, because if you read it like uh, non Christians try to present Jesus as like, well, Jesus is this good moral, he's a teacher, good guy. Yeah, and here are these good moral right. principles. You can read that and be like. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Like, right. that's a nice thing to do sometimes. Right. Every now and then, like, kind of, like, swallow your pride and help yeah. people. But no, 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 no. Like, Jesus is coming to reestablish God's rule on earth. Right. Like, he's not coming to just, you know, give you some suggestions, like, five tips on a better life. Yeah, yeah. No, he's coming to rule and reign. <laughs> yeah. But what does that rule and reign look like? Mm. Service. Servant, yeah. Sacrificial love. Right. That totally changes the game. Yeah, and you know, um... I think even companies sometimes they get this too now. They're like, "Oh, we want you to be a servant leader." Yeah. So they're unknowingly uh, uh, repeating gospel truths <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because you know I think we see the value in it, but sometimes I guess we lose uh, the source of like where it's where that's come from. And I mean, these weren't like uh, foot models. I mean, I don't want to dig too much into this, but these are people. You know, they're traveling in sandals. They're traveling long ways in sandals. You know, yeah. their feet are dirty you know and 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 jesus is is doing this is is doing this and you know in and like ac said in his context to just show um the importance and like that he's a servant right and that we're to be servants yeah, yeah. i mean and you think about it like i i can't go one day without shower right you call me soft if you want yeah to, yeah no i, I agree have to shower every day right right but these dudes they would walk Right. They would walk Miles. like Nazareth yeah. to Jerusalem. <laughs> like, pull that up on a map. A Just map. pull that up on a Google but, map. Yeah. Like when I was in Israel and I went from Tel Aviv uh -huh. to Jerusalem, like my ears popped on the way up driving. Wow. Driving. So like that's how much elevation and so Jesus' calves must have been swollen. Yeah. Like, exactly. They were they were they you know. Yeah. But <laughs> Jesus' calves <laughs> must have been swollen. <laughs> They're doing all this walking yeah. and like you say all this dust and dirt yeah. and grime and walking around with sandals, man. It's like, you ever wear shoes without wearing socks? And it just gets, <laughs> imagine doing that for days and walking like, yeah. walking up yeah. the South Mountain or, right. Back right. or something, man. And right. then, then somebody washing your feet. The, the Lord of the universe. Yeah. The rightful king of the earth says, hold on, let me wash your feet. Man. Yeah, and then like, and it's it's like, who am I? Like, yeah, I'm nobody. exactly. I'm nobody. Exactly. How much more should I right. have that posture of self-sacrificial love and service? Wow, wow. And I just love that bathroom example. I think that brings it home to all of us. <laughs> but uh, you know, so uh, the book of John, um, you know, obviously has a similar uh, conclusion to uh, you know the rest of the gospel accounts when it comes to Jesus's arrest, his crucifixion. And his death, but I think each one does have some unique uh, parts or features to it, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, as far as that part of the story, what is unique about John's account? A lot of things. One thing that I like, though, I love is when uh, they come to arrest Jesus and they ask, Which one of y'all is Jesus? And he says, I am. And they all fall back. Yeah, you know, they actually fall, and like, you can miss that. You yeah. will miss that. Like, the power of him. You know, the power of Jesus saying, I am, like, they literally fell back. Yeah. And I, and in my mind, I'm like, if that happens, like, what else do you need to see? Yeah. Like, could you imagine, like, you know, God forbid, the SWAT team kicks down the door. Right. And they say, which one of y'all is AC? And then I say, I am. And they all fall? Like. I mean, at that point, they should have just, yeah, like, what more evidence do you need? Yeah. 
I, I don't know if I'm getting arrested at that point. I might get shot. <laughs> You're like, whoa, this dude. Yeah, you know, that's got to confuse your category. Yeah. And, and do a number yeah. on you, but yeah. they arrested him anyway. Yeah. And it, Jesus saying, I am. You know, that's not just in our context. Yeah, I am. Like, no, yeah. I am. He's not yeah. trying to, like, get gangsta. Right, right. Like, oh, that's me. <laughs> Who are you looking for? That's me. I am. Yeah, that's not, that's not what And Jesus this is my crew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. That's not what Jesus is doing, you know. Uh, actually, John has seven I am statements. Hmm. I'm the bread of life. Let's get I'm into that. I'm the world. I'm the gate for the sheep. Yeah. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the true vine. And then also there's seven times where Jesus just says the words, I am. Mm. And this time when he gets arrested is the last time that he says, I am. Mm. So it's almost as if like, um, this is the conclusion of these I am statements, which any Jew listening who knew their Bible knew that when Moses in Exodus 3 asked God, right. who should I say, I say sent me? Yes. God says, tell him I am who I am sent you. Right. So this is God's covenant name, I am. That's what I, yeah. This is his covenant yeah. name. Yeah. This is, and remember, God even told Moses that I have revealed my name to you, a name that I didn't even share with Abraham. You know, yeah, I am who I am. So it's it's a covenant. It, it's it's a, it's it's this is how you will know me when you are in this type of relationship with me, where I am committed to you. Um, this is the name you will know me by. And so what Jesus is doing is this last I am statement comes at the low point in his ministry, the weakest point in his ministry, mm. which is when he gets arrested at night secretly. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is it's sort of like a paradox. Jesus is saying, I am the God who created everything and who delivered uh, you out of Egypt and, and, and did all these plagues yeah. on Pharaoh, this powerful God. And I've come back to rule and reign, but I have done so in a way that looks like weakness in a way that is a way of suffering yeah. and sacrifice. Yeah, servitude, I yeah. has come, and it's at this moment when I'm being arrested and taken away like a like a, a, a lamb led to the slaughter. Wow, I mean, there's just so much to just unpack there, and uh, uh, I just so much that I think you would just gloss over, right? If you're not able to draw those connections, like we talked about in Exodus, right, where you know Moses is seeing God at the uh, or meeting God at the burning bush, and like you said, he says, "I am who I say I am," and Jesus is repeating that same language, so any Jew would uh, know that, right, and recognize what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's so important to, to see that because um, this event, the death and resurrection of Jesus, is not only the cornerstone of the Christian faith, but it's also the definitive statement of who God is. Wow. Um, and when we want to build our theology and we want to build a worldview and, and, and a way that we think through all of life, where do you start? Do you start in Genesis? you start in mm. Revelation? you start in the Gospels? I mean, you start with the resurrection. Right. Right. As Paul said, if the, the resurrection isn't true, yeah. then we're fools. We're fools, right. To be pitied. And so the resurrection is it. This is the cornerstone of our faith, and it's where we get to, where we start to get to know who God is. A lot of times, though, we start at a different place. When we're trying to get to know God, um, because we think in terms of individual forgiveness, we start with, like, his law, statutes, and commandments. We start yes. with, you know, God has these rules. I broke these rules. So how do I like get out of this? Gym? How do I get right? Right. How do yeah. I get right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, that that's what, and so we're we're thinking of God in like this punitive sense, and that, mm. that's our starting point. He's the big judge in the sky, right? But the starting point is the resurrection. Wow. The death and the resurrection. That's the starting point, and it tells a whole different story of who God is. 
yeah i I think that's huge and uh i and yeah the resurrection is the the starting point is the cornerstone it is you know why we have hope yeah as believers um so you know just uh you know we we always talk about the squid method right um you know summarize question understand implications and do and i just want to get into some implications uh from the gospel of john how is the spirit talking to us or the church today one thing as we alluded to earlier is uh servanthood or service when we talked about jesus washing the feet of his disciples and telling us to do likewise Mm -hmm. so one of the hallmarks of a true follower of christ is to continually perform acts of loving generosity wow and some ideas for that to take that from theory to practice uh we just had our first wednesday uh not too long ago where we had the hundred dollar idea great idea great great uh uh just opportunity and, and yeah, for those to think who, on these things who, right. who don't know um what that is is we had this we got together we talked about the different brokenness we prayed about the brokenness in the city and then we asked the question if you had a hundred dollars how would you use that to love your neighbor wow yeah you know and so and so you know we had a lot of ideas submitted as of the publication of this podcast you can go and vote on the website for which idea so that would be one thing is going on the website and voting for one of those ideas and maybe even getting involved right and asking around right and maybe even taking a hundred dollars out of your own check and say okay you know church is going to give me a hundred dollars but i have a hundred dollars i work for this i right. earn this how can i now flip this right for the sake of others you know um and one of the things we did that night was we played a game called carrot cake this is uh Invention of Jim Mullins. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say this is one of uh, brainchild of uh, yeah. Jim Mullins. <laughs> and so you know, with carrot cake, Jim's whole thing was he was he was bored at a meeting one day and he was looking at carrot cake and he was thinking, who in the world would make something like this? Like, mm. why would you waste a perfectly good cake with carrots? Yeah, it's, brokenness is real. <laughs> it's the thorns and thistles <laughs> of the pastry world. Yeah, and so you know, he he got this idea in his head where what he imagines is that somebody. Had company coming over, and um, all they had was like flour, sugar, carrots, and so they had to make a dessert. So they made carrot cake. And so, in other words, like taking what you have and out of necessity creating something for the sake of others. Wow. And so, this game carrot cake, what you can do at home is get two stacks of three by five note cards. On one stack, write all the things you see around you that make you hurt and pray and mourn and lament. All the brokenness you see in your city. You know, the things that really bother you that you see on the news. On the other stack of cards, write down all the ways that you love yourself. So for example, if you have a car, if you have a Netflix account, if you have a PS3, if you have a spare bedroom, Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a certain type of degree in education and training, uh, knowledge and skill set, write all these ways that you normally use without even thinking about it to love yourself and think, and, and, and then you, you, what you do is you take one card from each stack and match them randomly. So, um, Warren, tell me something like brokenness that you see in the city that, that really bothers you personally here in Phoenix. Um, I would say uh, drug, ab- drug abuse. Drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And one way that I love myself personally mm-hmm. is uh, Spotify. Okay. Listen to Spotify. And so the objective of the game would be then to take these two random things that have nothing to do with each other and figure out how can I push back against drug abuse with Spotify. Huh. And so you would think. 
you know so we're going off tops right now yeah but yeah i was gonna say what, what can we what can we come up with how can we use spotify to push against drug abuse um hmm. yeah I mean, it's a, that's a good one man maybe you could uh uh invite people over Oh, yes. You got, you got something? No, I think that's a good idea. You invite people over. You have a, a meal maybe with mm-hmm. someone uh, who is experiencing that, whether in your community or outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, you play Spotify. Have yeah. a nice spot. And you have a meal with them. Yeah, and you have that, like this background music. Right. You know? Or, you know, and even too, like, a lot of times people, the, the reason why people go to drugs is to cope. It's a mm. coping mechanism. Yeah. You know? And another coping mechanism is vibing to music. Is jamming out to music. It's true. And so if you know somebody who's going through something and they and they're prone to temptation with substances, you know, invite them over and put the right jams on. Right. Sometimes you can listen to the wrong music and it makes things worse. Yeah. Sometimes you listen to the right music and it makes you know it gets your head in the right place and you know. Maybe there's a song that'll speak to their struggle. Yeah, exactly. So what Warren and I just did here is you know what you got maybe listening and being like ah, i don't know that's yeah. kind of stretching it but that's the point exactly the point is exactly. to get these two things that are random right and try to stretch it and make it fit somehow yeah because sometimes yeah. you'll stumble upon great ideas exactly and the best part about it is you can actually do it no no you know what listen people we have to think this way because um in the the normal way that we go about life these things will not cross our mind mm. You know, we will be so preoccupied. I feel like sometimes we just, and I'm and I'm guilty of this too, we can move through our days almost uh, like uh, robotic, mm. right? Getting from point A to point B to point C, never even thinking about how we get there, never even taking the time to take the blinders off. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if we're not thinking about, uh, you know, the brokenness around us or even allowing our eyes and minds to be open to it, um, you know, we will completely live our, uh, we can, we can fall into maybe living in a Christian huddle, mm. right. Or just our own personal self-absorbed, self-absorbed huddles. Yeah. So this is a great exercise to, uh, to help get your mind working and to just open, to help you to, to keep your eyes open to, uh, your environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, I think that's a great implication. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, we were just kind of good, kind of going to. We we're going to get into, uh, you know, how was the spirit just calling us to respond as a community, right? And, um, you know, do you have any, I guess, any specific uh, ways that we can respond as a redemption uh, Tempe community to John, the Gospel of John? Yeah, one dominant theme in John is the spirit. Mm. You know, John even at that point that I mentioned earlier where Jesus goes to this festival and says, if anyone thirsts, you know, let him come to me and, and, you know, living water will flow out of your heart. Um, John puts this little like editorial note saying that Jesus was referring to the spirit, which had not been given yet. And then later on, in of John, you see the spirit. Uh, Jesus says, receive the spirit. And as the father sent me, so I send you. And, and then all throughout John, you can see that you see the spirit mentioned over and over and right. over again. And so this idea of um, the spirit of God is the one who's bringing the kingdom to earth. Mm. You know, we said it before that um, the kingdom comes as the spirit moves in response to prayer. And so we, we talk a lot about prayer. Right. But I also want to talk about the Holy Spirit and relying upon him. Wow. And that's such a, you know, it's such an uncomfortable thing for us because uh, I guess sometimes we just don't know how to understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have, we can understand God the Father. Mm-hmm. We can understand, you know, Jesus, God, you know, the Son, but the Spirit, I think, sometimes is... It, it makes us in the yeah. reform circle feel uncomfortable. Yes, sometimes. yes, Because when we yes. hear, 
you 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 hear people and you know people who are like, oh man, I you know we got to get filled with the spirit, we want right. spirit filled ministry and spirit filled this, and you're thinking like these dudes are like wild, right? They're wild right. and they're charismatic, and it's and and we tend to equate like spirit with like high outbursts of emotion and 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 being irrational, yeah, and being irrational, right? You know when when Jesus was filled with the spirit. It says that the spirit drove Jesus right. in the wilderness. Right. You know, yeah. the physically descended, drove yeah, yeah. Drove him. Descended upon him like a dove. And here he says, receive the spirit as the Father sent me, so I send you. And so um we need the spirit. Jesus says in John, apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Like how do we expect to uh connect work to our faith? How do we expect to lead our families? How do we expect to, you know, play carrot cake and, and make an impact in our community, right, right. engage politics? How do we expect to live all of life all for Jesus if we're not relying upon the same spirit Jesus relied upon wow. to live his life? And and can you kind of just, I mean, you don't have to go too deep into this, but like, what does that look like to rely on the spirit? What does that look like in our daily lives? I think, let me answer it this way. I, here's a, a thermometer. Okay. Here's a good, like, self check what does my prayer life look like Oof. because one of the prevailing idols of our day is humanism yes is the tendency yes. to rely upon my intellect on s- my resources yes. and even my good intentions uh-huh. that uh-huh. if my heart's in the right place my head's on my shoulders right and i got something in my pockets i can go do good things in this world right like hey you know yes i'm going to church on sundays i'm i'm listening to podcasts i'm getting good theology now the next step is to go do it and it's like no wait the next step is then to pray to pray to pray you know here's a good question look at every area of your life whether it be family work even the way you take care of your home right everything and ask do i pray about those things regularly or do I only pray about emergencies? Yes, yes. Do I only pray about, or maybe even some people like, you know, we get in the habit, good discipline of prayer, but we don't pray about all of life. Right. We pray about church stuff. Church, or just for forgiveness. Forgiveness. Right. Or, or like healing, or right. somebody's going through something. But we're not praying daily about our work. Right. You know, I and I noticed a huge difference when I first moved out here to Arizona, and I got into a job where I knew nothing about it. Mm. And I started praying every day about this job because I felt um, I didn't feel competent to be able to do it right and I ended up being successful and it made me look back and think all these other jobs I had I didn't pray like this wow so I was relying upon myself wow. I was relying upon the spirit so to answer your question what does that look like relying upon the spirit that's a whole other conversation but I think a good question to ask yourself to see whether or not you are is how much you're praying and what you're praying about I think that's I think that's great and that's something that we can do today we can do right now. We can, you know, I've heard it said once that, you know, our prayer life reflects, you know, our belief. Mm. Right. You know, we, we, we say that we believe in the God of the universe who is the creator and uh, the sovereign God of uh, all things. And yet, you know, when trials come up or not even when trials come up, I wouldn't say that because we can pray when trials come up. But when life is just going along um, and, you know, the, you're through your day to day, like how many times are we taking the opp- or the chance or making it important to pray? Right. Right. And, and, and I'm not saying like if you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, man, I haven't been praying. I need to pray. You're mishearing me. Right. I, that's like starting backwards. Mm thinking, oh, I need to pray more. No, no, no. The problem isn't that you're not praying. The problem is that you're not relying upon God. Exactly. So it's a heart exactly. check. Like, oh, heart check. Yeah. I need to repent. Yeah. 
before I pray, I need to repent and say, God, I've been relying upon myself. Help me to pray. Help me to rely right. upon you. You know, so you start with the heart and start with the reliance upon God. Prayer is just the, the, the outflow of that. Yeah, thing. it's the fruit of the reliance. Yeah. Right, right. So um, I think we have some great things to uh, take take away with us, um, take away here from John, um, you know, whether it be, um, you know, being intentional about being a servant, you know, for those of us who uh, call ourselves Christians and a part of uh, God's kingdom here on earth, you know, servitude is uh, one thing that's, it's not optional, mm-hmm. right? We're called. It's something we're called to, to be as witnesses. And uh, also, um, you know, just being uh, aware um, of our environments and also being aware of uh, God and what he's doing in our earth and on uh, our planet in our cities in our communities and ultimately relying on him in our daily lives so um, with no further ado thank you AC uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time